This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. I want to get right into the Word. Is that all right with everyone? Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about miracles. Uh, The title of the, the message today is Miracles from the Inside Out. And we'll kind of dissect that title and explain what it kind of means as we walk through this. Uh, so I encourage you to listen up today. Um, I want to start out just kind of asking a couple questions. Uh, we'll wrap up with a few points, but uh, is there an area in your life that you need God to move in? I mean, I feel like everybody does. It's kind of a generic question to ask. I, f- I feel like everybody everywhere, uh, really regardless of what little g God they want to serve, has something they need a greater power than them to do. They can't seem to make it happen themselves. Maybe it's a job or relationships, maybe some kind of addiction. And maybe you're new to this thought of needing something done. Maybe something's just happened in your life. Maybe you just got some information. Maybe something just changed in your life, your marriage or, or school or a relationship. But it's very important, and, and you're very focused in on this, and you really need God to do this, and this is a very common thing. This seems to happen uh, daily, weekly for us. Something comes up, and, and we really need God to do something, but you know, there's another, there's another set of people that, that sometimes maybe we don't think about, and that's those that, you know, they've, they've been in church, uh, they, they've been needing something to happen and they've seen things unfold through their life. They've already seen, uh, let's say, small promises answered, small miracles happen to get to this goal that they've needed. They've had this thing in their life way out there. They may not have known it was going to be way out there, but they've been praying and they've seen God move and, and move and they've inching and inching toward this thing that they need in their life, but they're right there on that edge. They're right there, and they just need God to do that last thing to get what they're needing, to get that miracle in their life. Let me tell you, it's just as important for that person as it is that one that just come up in your, that's just come up in their life, and if you're either one of those people, I encourage you to listen today. I believe that you're going to get some clarity on today's message. Many of us have seen miracles happen. I know in this church, uh, from testimony, uh, you know, people telling me that I trust my pastor, I know that you've seen lots of miracles, from physical miracles to financial miracles, uh, sicknesses, jobs. I know it. I've heard about it. I know this church has seen it. But again, on the flip side, on the, on, there's another set of people that, that you genuinely are good Christian people, and you do believe miracles happen. You believe it. You believe it because you've had people like Gene or Elder Funches tell you, hey, this is a miracle that I've seen firsthand. You believe it, but nothing's really ever happened that bold and that upfront in your life. So, so you may be one of those people that thinks, yeah, miracles are real. I know they are because Elder Funches told me they were. I believe what he tells me, but maybe you don't believe, maybe you believe they happen for other people, but maybe they don't happen for you. Maybe... You're a little hard-headed and you think you got to grind it out and you got to make these things happen yourself because you've never seen that, that fruit come into your life. Well, again, I encourage you, 
to listen up today because we serve a God of miracles and he's still doing miracles today and we're going to walk through some of those today. I want you to think of this number one miracle in your life. You may have a lot of areas you need God to work in. You probably already did that. As I was walking through the two different types of people, something's probably already popped in your head that you need God to move in. He's like, John, man, he's already talking to me today. And you want to know why? It's because what I said at the beginning, which is I think everybody has something they need God to move in their life. But I want you to think of that thing today, and I want you to hold on to it as we walk through today's message. I think you're going to get some clarity, some, answer, some questions answered on how to move forward and how to look and see God move in your life. Today, we're going to once again, in the Word, see that the Lord, He sees things differently than we do. Now, this is going to be something that you can refer back to the whole morning, the whole week, and kind of remember when you're going, why is it this happening? Kind of reflect back to this, point, this, this uh, little point here, and that is, the Lord, He sees things differently than we do. We'll be in Mark today. Uh, just a little side note, uh, John Mark the writer of this. He, he's not a disciple. A lot of us want to think all the Gospels were written by disciples. Uh, it, it's, he's not a disciple. Uh, there's a lot of people that, that uh, think he was a disciple of Peter, which certainly gives him some, some decent credits in, in our book. Uh, but in this book, 40 times, Mark uses the Greek word ethios, which means immediately. I want you to know that there is a sense of urgency when you pray to God to do something in your life, there's a sense of urgency. And when He deems it time, we can trust that He is going to immediately act on that. See, we hear that word immediately and like, well, John, He ain't done it. You just, <laughs> you're just talking to me about how, how uh, you know, He sees things differently and, and there's this group of people that's been waiting this long time it, but now you're telling me immediately, when he deems it time, because God thinks differently than us, right? And when he deems it time, you can guarantee he is going to move immediately in your behalf. Mark also records, I, this is important for those of you that, that wonder about miracles. Mark records over three times more miracles than parables. I like parables. I like stories. Uh, I like to tell stories. I love stories out of the Bible. But miracles. Miracles is where the power of God come down and affects our lives directly. Parables are great to learn from. They are wise. There's so much wisdom in them. I love them. But miracles are what we, what we are after. And miracles are God's power coming down and changing something in our lives that we need that we can't do on our own. And for those that are wondering, are miracles real? Well, the book of Mark is known as the gospel of miracles, and he certainly is the God of miracles. In Mark 1 alone, Jesus did multiple miracles. A demon-possessed man in verse 23, in verse 23 a demon-possessed man, he met his match when he confronted. He said, the demon-possessed man said, leave us alone. And he's, he's speaking plural. He's talking about uh, the man he's possessed and him. He says, Jesus the victorious, we know who you are. The demons know who he is. The demons know he can create miracles, that he will give us the miracles that we need in our life. 
Yet here we are wondering if God's going to give us our miracle. And this demon is terrified. He even gave him the nickname, Jesus the Victorious. Then in verse 30, he heals Simon's mother-in-law. She was bedridden. She couldn't get out. She couldn't do anything for herself. She couldn't help herself. She couldn't feed herself. She was bedridden. We all know what that means. And just with a touch from Christ, she, she gets up and goes on about her life. But I want to talk about another miracle that happens in chapter 2 of Mark. The four guys that wanted to help their crippled friend. He needed a miracle. He needed a miracle in his life. And these four guys, these friends that knew who Jesus was, had faith, and had somebody in need, sent out on a quest. In Mark 2, 1 and 2, I think it's going to be up there. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he, had, that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. We know this scripture. We know this story. Let's walk through it and kind of talk about some different aspects of it. Because it's a great story. We love the thought of God doing miracles, but there's a lot more to this story. See, when we hear about a miracle, we instantly think about what Jesus did as we should, but sometimes we need to dissect and look at what got these people here. And is there something there that we should get and we should be using in our own lives, our own communities, to help those in need? We have four guys who have a friend who can't walk. And Jesus is in town, all right? That's summing it up. The word is spread quickly. He's doing miracles. Uh, he had even done a miracle where he healed a guy from uh, not being able to walk. and said, don't go tell nobody. I know there's a thing where why wouldn't he want to tell nobody? Well, listen, Jesus wanted to reach as many people as he could. And he knew when word got out, we'd be flocking to him. And I say we because we would be flocking to him because we all had these needs in our lives. So the word spread quickly. And there's no room in the house. We can't get in there. And as we think about this, I have a question for you. It's, it's not really a point, but it's a question. I have two questions today, and then we'll have two points to finish up with. The first question today is, are our homes prepared for Him? Are our homes prepared for Him? There is the simple thought of our physical home. Let's think about it for a minute. Let's think about hosting Jesus for a minute. If Jesus came into your house... You'd have a lot of guests wanting to get in. Now, that's one thing right off the bat because I'm a particular kind of guy and I like my house to be a particular kind of way. And we'll, we'll leave that. When you got a bunch of folks coming over, things seem to get a little bit out of order sometimes. So you got to think. we got a, we got Jesus at a house, a bunch of people wanting to get in. Here's some questions for you I want you to think about. Uh, would any of us be ashamed of Jesus seeing what was in our house? I mean, I'm not really talking about the cleanliness. I'm talking about what might be on our TVs, uh, what might be in our refrigerators. Listen, I'm not here to have that sermon with you today. It's not for me to say. I'm asking you, if you're convicted over something, that's between you and the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I hope you're moving your life today. But would we want them to see that? Would we want them to see what was on our internet history? Would we want them to see what's on our phones and who we're talking to? Would you want us to see the things that we do in our daily lives? Would we be okay with that? You know, when I was a younger fella, 
I thought the Lord of my grandfather. He was a very godly man. And I, uh, I can remember thinking quite a few times, I wouldn't like my grandfather to see me do this. I wouldn't like him to see me acting this way. And as I grew up, I realized that it wasn't my grandfather. It was the God that was in my grandfather that I didn't want to see the things that I might be doing. Now, I want to compare our homes to our hearts and minds for just a second. We have our physical homes, our homes we live in. But we often ask God to come into our hearts and our minds and our lives. And I wonder if they're prepared. I wonder if they're prepared. If we've, if we've prayed for forgiveness and we've, and we've tried to clean up our lives and the bad things that we may or may not do, if we've really prepared for that. Because, you know, we sing songs commonly that's asking the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and our minds. And, you know, we've got to be careful what we're singing. I get on a soapbox for a second here. When you're singing praises, it's not just for fun. You're worshiping. You're asking God to do something for you. Although it is fun. It is it's very enjoyable. We cannot sit here and sing everything that's up there without realizing there may be a result from that. God may do what you're asking. So you need to be careful what you're singing and what you're praising for because you're praying for it. And I'm asking, are our hearts, are our homes ready? Are you ready to invite Him in? If not, I encourage you to get that way today. Amen. Clean it up. Clean it out. Get it ready for Him. Next, I want to say, would you share Him? You know, right off the bat, I want to say, absolutely. I want to say, absolutely. But then I think, do we share Him? Do we share Him? You know, we're talking about Him being in our house. We're talking about being in our homes. But we know Christ. We know God. He is in us. Do we share Him? I think too many times we want to keep God to ourselves. We want to cling on to what He can do for us and the power and the strength and all that. And we don't give it out freely as we should. Too many believers keep Jesus to themselves rather than sharing Him. That's just the truth. If that's not the truth, how many times did we share Christ this week? I'm not here to condemn. I definitely don't want to leave today with a solemn uh, you know, mood. But I just want to be real with you. We're asking God to do these things. We read these stories and we don't act on them. Mark 2, 2-4. While I was preaching God's Word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because the crowd, because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down to the front of Jesus. I want you to think about all that. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've heard this story before and you've thought about it, but we're going to think on it some more. Second question for you today is, are we willing to do what it takes with the faith that we have? Let me tell you, when you accepted Christ in your life, you were established with some faith. A lot of us, you know, again, this isn't a faith message. We're not going to get deep into that. But we all have a certain amount of faith that we build on from the day of salvation. And I, I, I wonder, do, are we willing to do what it takes with the faith that we have? Because these four friends have faith. They know about Jesus. They know He's somewhere. They know that location, and their faith is going to carry them there. 
These friends were on a mission to get their friend to someone's house who had opened it up for them. Now, how many of us know of a building where we know Christ is at least once a week? How many of us? I would think everybody in here knows that Christ is here today. If I'd have said earlier, who of, who of us believes Jesus is here today? How many of us would raise our hands? Everybody. If I said, who believes the Holy Spirit is with us in this house today? Right after Nolan wrapped up that amazing worship, everybody goes, the Holy Spirit is here. So you knew. Are we telling our friends? Are we bringing those that need Him? to a place, to a building, to a structure where we know Jesus is. And where we know, this church knows, He does miracles. You know, they were, <laughs> they were on a mission to go to a house of miracles because they knew the man there was doing miracles. This is a house of miracles. We can bring those that need that here. <clears throat> The four friends have their friend on some kind of mat. Maybe it's a bed sheet. We don't know. This is no small effort. All right, I don't care if he's a small guy or a big guy. I don't tell you if you ever carried somebody that, that can't help themselves. It's hard. It's heavy. It's different. And you got four friends carrying this guy. It could have been a block. It could have been 10 miles. Don't really know. But the truth is they put a lot of effort into this. They went through a lot of trouble. You know what? Even if it wasn't that far, even if it wasn't, he wasn't that heavy, there was going to be some sacrifice in it. There was going to be effort in it. There was some type of distance. They were missing out with time with their family. They wasn't making it to a ball game. They wasn't making it to something that was going on that they could have been doing otherwise because they had a friend that needed something in his life, needed a miracle, and they stopped whatever it was they had going on to make that happen. They sacrificed something to help this friend. <clears throat> Have you ever walked through a difficult time, a difficult season, and there were people in your life who carried you? Emotionally, spiritually, financially. I'm going to tell you, yes, yes. If you're scared to say yes, yes is the answer. This church right here has been a huge part of my life and carrying me through times. In the short time I've been here, there's people in this church that have reached out in that moment. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to take time. I've had people say, hey, let's go eat lunch. And although I like food, that wasn't the best part of the meeting. It was that fellowship. It was that time of building up. I needed something in my life. And in that moment, somebody reached out to me. It may have taken a lot for them to do that, but aren't you grateful for it? Aren't you grateful they took that time? Or maybe you've carried someone for a while. Maybe you're that person. If you are, I'm thankful for you. I pray that God strengthens you. And I pray that He continues to encourage you to do that and that you get what you need from others. So they arrive, but they can't get in the house. Because, I mean, he's Jesus, and he's doing miracles, and everybody needs miracles, so they can't get in the house. These guys are pretty hard-headed. They're not giving up. I don't know. Maybe the guy was really heavy, and they didn't want to carry him back. Maybe it was a long way. Maybe they were tired of running to the store for him and getting his groceries. I don't know really what it was, but they 
were hard-headed. They wanted their friend to be healed. They'd come a long way. They'd come too far to give up. And then someone had the bright idea. And I, when I think of this, I don't know, I think of Gerald. Maybe it's because he works on houses. I don't know. And I think if there's a group of guys that made this trip, who's going to say, hey, let's just cut a hole in the roof? And I think that's probably Gerald. I, I think it's probably Gerald. So we're up, you know, they decide, let's cut a hole in the roof. Once they got up there, though, they had to kind of listen for where Jesus was. Because here's the deal, they don't know that house, they don't know that building, they don't know that area, they've traveled some distance, and they don't really know where He is. So they had to listen for Jesus. And if they couldn't hear Him real well, they'd have to lean in to hear Jesus. They'd have to lean in, they'd have to put a little effort into what Jesus is doing. And that's what we need to do today. Listen, Jesus is speaking to you. Jesus is telling you what you need to do. He's there for you and He loves you and He wants to give you those answers and those miracles. And if you can't find Him, He's there. You just need to lean in so that you can hear Him, so that you can find Him. So they started tearing this roof off. It wasn't palm branches. I want you to think about that. You know, that's the first thing that came to my head. I think there was an animated... Uh, story of this when I was a kid and it was probably palm branches it wasn't no big deal but this roof was holding five guys up this roof wasn't no small feet to tear into this thing was made out of kind of whatever they could find probably some some kind of homemade mortar or, or something like that and limbs and stuff this was a job to tear into so they start tearing into it and I want us to think again about the crowd's thought. Imagine us sitting here and some of them tiles <laughs> falling in. And I'm not saying I advocate traveling to somebody else's church and start cutting a hole in the ceiling by no means. But, you know, I just kind of think about them. And I kind of want to think about that for a second. It's probably off-putting. It's probably disturbing. You know, there's probably some folks there that traveled as far or further. They'd been waiting in line to see Jesus. They came there for something that they needed in their life. And here somebody is kind of breaking in line. Here somebody is messing up their uh, house. And that kind of hits home for me because I've been guilty of letting some type of distraction keep God from what He wants, not just for me, but for others. And that's a very selfish way to be. You know, I can imagine them sitting in the back going, I can't believe they're tearing in here. I, I can't believe that he's wearing tennis shoes with his slacks, or I can't believe he's, she's wearing this or that today. Too many times, we let the things that just aren't important disrupt and distract the blessings for ourselves, but shame on us, the blessings for others, those that are in need. And let me tell you, it was a surprise to them, but Jesus knew the whole time. Jesus knew that house was going to be packed. He knew they were going to tear a hole through that. He probably never missed a lick. He was probably finishing up whatever that was, and he's like, I probably got time for one more, and he did another one, and all of a sudden they come through the roof, and here we have a guy lowered down and four guys looking in. And all those others were questioning things. Jesus did not. After some time, the awkwardness passed. We had this guy in front of Jesus. 
And we're fixing to get to the meat of this, uh, a part that I truly love. <clears throat> Jesus sees him, and everyone can see that he's got a physical problem, obviously. Uh, he's, you know, he's being lowered down. This is a big deal. His friends obviously know they've made a lot of effort to get him here. And Jesus doesn't say be healed. Jesus doesn't say be healed. Not right away. Mark 2, 5 says, seeing their faith. I want you to get that. Seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Their friends are probably thinking, uh, thanks for the sin forgiven, but we really want him to walk home, if you don't mind. That's really what we traveled all this way for. We really need this guy to walk home. But Jesus saw something different. What's obvious to us isn't always what Jesus wants to do in our life. What we think is most important isn't always what Jesus knows we need first in our life. Mark 2, 5 through 12. Seeing their faith. Seeing their faith. Those that were with him. Seeing their faith. Sometimes people need us in their life with our faith to carry them, to get them there, to get them to Jesus, to get them to where they can receive Him and they can receive His miracles in their life. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were there sitting, who were sitting there, thought to themselves, What is He saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately. He knew. <laughs> he knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So I prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Amen. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through the stunned onlookers. <clears throat> they were amazed and praised God. We've never seen anything like this. Amen. See, these uh, religious leaders, they, being Jewish, they thought, uh, if your sins are forgiven, you can't still be crippled. They thought you should be perfect in health. So they were saying, they were trying to catch him. They were saying, there ain't no way his sins are forgiven. He's still crippled. And Jesus being Jesus says, well, I'll tell you what, I don't got to, but I will. And I thank God for that because he don't got to help me. He don't have to answer my prayers, but he does. Even in my arrogance, even in my uh, just... Ignorance at times, as they are showing in themselves here in ignorance, he says, I'll tell you what, not only will I forgive his sins, watch this. And not only did he heal him, and not only did he get up, he packed the mat up that he was lowered down through the ceiling with, and he ran out of there with it. He said, I can do both. 
What's harder to believe? Well, believe both of them because I just done them. Jesus is the God of miracles. He's the God of miracles. Jesus looked at a man who had a problem. I'm a man that has problems. You are people that have problems. He wasn't missing something. He doesn't miss things. Let's be clear. And it wasn't just the ability to walk. Jesus knows... Jesus knows where the healing first needs to take place in their lives. Man sees the external, but Jesus sees the internal. Jesus saw a paralyzed soul, and that's what he wanted to tend to that day. He wasn't so worried about how could he, how could he heal him physically and let him walk away doomed to hell. He couldn't do it. And we're going to step into our, our last two points today. There's two things that we need to understand. All right, there's two things that we need to understand. Number one is God is more concerned about the internal healing than our external healing. Now, I want to tell you, He loves you and He's worried about your external healing. I want you to know that. It's not, not important. But He's more concerned about the internal healing than the external. You know, how, you know, how could he have healed his external body and let him walk out there doomed to hell? He couldn't do it. His healing began on the inside and they worked their way out. He saw that this man needed to be healed inside. He needed to get things right in his life before he could heal him externally. That was more important. It didn't really matter what the guy thought he needed. God knew what he needed. In Matthew, Jesus hammers the Pharisees about their hearts not being right. Matthew 23, 26. First clean the inside of the cup and the outside will be clean. The Jewish leaders who had gotten into the house thought what he did was blaspheme. But he addressed their thoughts. And I love that he does that. I love that he takes the time to address our thoughts. I love that I'm not a great person. I'm far from perfect. And yet my Savior still, still loves me and still walks me through these things that I need. That he doesn't leave me when I leave him. I'm thankful that He continues to pursue me even in my arrogance. They thought they had Him. He addressed their concerns. There wasn't nothing they could say at that point. Question number two. Point number two. The greatest miracle isn't physical emotional or financial. It's a heart being changed with our past being forgotten by God. Amen. I love God dearly. I love Jesus dearly. The Holy Spirit, I love my Savior. <clears throat> and as Easter approaches, we are reminded of what He went through for us. And as I said, I had this thing about being afraid of what my grandfather would think, 
that was the disappointment. I don't want to disappoint him. And realizing that it was the God that was in him that I didn't want to disappoint. When I think about what he went through for me, I can't imagine him forgiving me, much less forgetting it, what I've done and what I do. But that's exactly what he does. He forgets. The greatest miracle isn't what he can do for you physically. It's not how much money he can put in your account. It's not giving you all the things in this world that you want, although he does want you to be happy. It's not that. It's that our past can be forgotten by God. He does not remember it anymore. And that is the point in which we can begin to heal from the inside. The title of today is Miracles from the Inside Out. And what that title means is that if we want to get the things, if we have these things in our life that we need God to come into us, we need to get this ready for Him. We need to prepare our hearts and our minds to have Christ come in and forgive us and forget our sins. That's the miracle number one to Him. We see a lot of external, a lot of excitement in this house. You can imagine this man gets up, walks out. It's huge. It's a big deal. You imagine somebody being brought in here. He can't walk. He ain't been able to walk in a long time, maybe his whole life. And all of a sudden, he gets up and he walks out. Can you imagine the excitement this church would have? It would be ecstatic. We've seen things happen. We're ecstatic. I'm going to speak to Christians abroad, everywhere, here and abroad. As exciting as that is, this church is good about celebrating it. I'm not going to lie, but i got to make a point. When somebody comes up here and accepts Christ in his life, are we jumping up and down? Are we amazed? I'm going to tell you, I've sat right there and seen it, and I'm thinking, man, that's good. And I get moved. But i got to believe if somebody stood up and ran out that was crippled, I'd probably act different. I'd probably be more excited. I have to examine myself in that. You want to talk about miracles? There is no greater miracle than the day somebody comes up here and accepts Christ into their life. That's the perception difference that we got to get straight. I don't think we're going to get the fullness of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives until we get those two things straight. It's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual. It's about being healed on the inside. And then we get those miracles on the outside. James 4, 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love it. The devil is this big scary thing, right? Big scary thing. All you got to do is submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee. Fleeing is not walking away. Fleeing is running away. Flee is fear. I've got to get away from this. He knows who God is. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Thank you, God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Stop thinking that you just got to tough it out. 
that you can make these miracles happen, that you can make the things in your life you want to be done to be done. Stop. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. <clears throat> Probably all of us know God can fix our problems. But do we have the determination these four guys do? Do we have that determination for others? I'm, I can be a selfish person and I can be pretty determined for myself, but I lack in being that determined for others sometimes. So I have to ask myself that. Are you living like you should? Verse 8, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. When we're in the right relationship with Him and chasing Him, we'll see Him move in our life. God still does miracles. He loves doing them, but He's going to do them from the inside out. So if you're new on this quest, you just had something come up and you need God to move, this just happened recently, or if you've been down a long road, you've been praying for these things in your life, and you've seen things unfold, but you just right there on that edge of that big last jump, I encourage you to examine yourself today. I encourage you to look on the inside. Are you prepared? Are you ready? I'm going to ask our elders to come up and ask Tyler to come up. A little bit of worship and closing. Listen, I just want to give you the opportunity. Listen, absolutely. If you need to accept Christ, today's the day. But I want to talk to those as well that know Christ that are one of those two groups of people that need God to move in their life and they just need to get right. They need to be healed on the inside so that the physical can be healed. Or maybe you just straight up dealing with a spiritual problem. Maybe you don't have a physical problem. So I'm going to ask the elders to come up. Tyler, I want you to come up. Young people, you don't have an excuse if you don't really want to talk to one of us older folks or... You feel connected. Tyler's going to be up here. If you need to get yourself right in here, to get yourself right out here, then today is the day to do it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved and you can start receiving these miracles day in and day out. I want you to know that I love you. I'm there with you. Your pastor's there with you. If you think whoever stands up here has got it all figured out, you're wrong. A lot of times these messages are coming from the heart. They're coming from things they're dealing with. We need it too. We need to be examined. We need to be healed from the inside out. So today I encourage you to do that. As, as Nolan leads us into some worship, I just pray that you just ask. If you need to come up, you need to get right, do it. Today's the day. This is the house. The Lord is here. You don't have to dig through the ceiling. He's here today. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. Visit the church Sunday mornings at 10 or listen on Renew 96.9.